If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this super awesome episode of Mind Pump. Super excellent. So look, for the first 40 minutes, we don't talk about fitness much, but we do have a fun introductory conversation. We start out by talking about George Michael. Oh, that's a handsome <laughs> guy. Of course we did. Very, very handsome guy. Then we talked about piercings. Uh, find out the Natural kind of progression. piercings that we've all had. <laughs> You'll be surprised with Justin's. Hey. Ouch. Uh, nice. Then we talked about bogus hemp oil and CBD products out there and how Ned hemp oil is not bogus. It's one of the best ones that we've ever found. Now, Ned uh, does produce quality, full-spectrum cannabinoid hemp oil products. If you go to helloned.com, that's H-E-L-L-O, ned.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. Then we talked about Justin's brush with death. Oh boy, that was a scary. Still shaking up about scary. it. Scary. And we talked about MasterCard's rebranding. We talked about my daughter's magic obsession. I think she has a crush on uh, David Blaine. Watch out. Son of a bitch. We uh, <laughs> I brought up an article. Way out. <laughs> I brought up an article on gym memberships. We talked about Felix Gray's new nighttime blue blocking glasses. They are one of our sponsors. If you go to felixgrayglasses.com, that's Felix, F-E-L-I-X, gray, G-R-A-Y, glasses.com forward slash mind pump. We got you hooked up with free shipping and free returns. Then we talked about exercise and the brain and how it uh, actually will make you smarter and improve your brain health. <coughs> Imagine that. Then we get into the questions. The first question, so this is when we talk about fitness, was uh, which set determines the amount of gains you're going to get? The first set, the last set, or the ones in the middle? All of them. And also, uh, how much volume is the right amount of volume for someone to start when they first start working out? The next question, uh, can we expand on the idea that all not all calories are the same? In other words, is 500 calories from French fries the same as 500 calories from sweet potatoes? I'll tell you what, right now, they're not the same. The French fries taste much better. Mm. <laughs> The next question, uh, this person salt. has heard that training a healthy limb when the other limb is incapacitated will actually cause strength gains in the incapacitated limb. In other words, if you broke your arm, let's say your left arm is broken and you work out your right arm, it'll actually increase the strength of your broken arm as well. Is there any truth to this? You'll be blown away by the scientific stuff that we present in that part of this episode. <laughs> and the final question we're all kind of fans of cannabis. Uh, how are we going to approach this with our kids when they become interested in it? Are we going to talk to them about it? Are we going to make it super taboo? Are we going to beat them? Are we going to beat them? Find out mm -hmm. in that part of this episode. Make them smoke the whole thing. Also, uh, this month, our flagship program, MAPS Anabolic, half off. What? 50% off. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code RED50, R-E-D, and the number 50, no space, for 50% off. We also have other MAPS programs for other goals and other types of people. They can all be found at mapsfitnessproducts.com. But of course, don't forget, 50% off MAPS Anabolic. Use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, it's my favorite yeah. time of the week, Doug. So we had a pretty good number of reviews this week. Twice as many iTunes uh, reviews than Facebook. So Facebook people, pick it up a little bit. Weak sauce. All right, the winners are, for iTunes, Ears to the Ground, Jared Ruby, Curly Bear 404, and Last 187. And for Facebook, we have Michael Evans and Ashley Costa. 
All of you are winners in the name I just read. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, as well as your Instagram handle, because we will be putting these up one of these days, so please include that. <laughs> so uh, send that all over again to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Easy for you to say. Curly Bear Muscle Cub. Turn me up before we go, go. That's not the song. That's not how it goes. That's no. not how we start this solo. No, it's, it's Wake Me Up. Yeah. Oh. Wake not... me up before you go, go. They don't right. say Turn Me On in there, too? <clears throat> Justin? Um, I think so. Something, on. something tonight. What is that? I think. Take me dancing tonight. Oh, there you go. I think they say. Wait. And then they hit that. Bing, ding, hit that. Ha, I want to get that. Ha. Yeah, there you go. That's, <laughs> the part. Yeah, it's too early. Too. I think too they early. say turn me on too, don't they? You know, I wish. You know, I got a little bit of a cold going on right now. Turn me on. I kind of wish my voice was always like this. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It so, does sound. I sound like uh, sultry. I sound like Bradley Cooper from that movie uh, with uh, Lady Gaga. Oh, Did you yeah. guys watch that movie? Yes, we lost He talks that. like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, so a little bit. And I did that thing with his voice. It's kind of annoying, but whatever. Oh, there's the lyrics. Oh, yeah. You yeah. put the boom boom into my heart. Oh, I didn't realize this song was so lyrically brilliant. Jitterbug into my brain. <laughs> you send goes my soul bang, sky bang, bang. high when your loving starts. Jitterbug into my brain goes bang, bang, bang till my feet do the same. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just... That's poetic. That's just... Uh, Keep going down, Doug. Let me see yeah. if there's, there's... Wake me up, wake me up, yeah. wake me up. Wake me up before you go-go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. Like a yo-yo. That's just... Yeah. Who came up with that brilliance? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's It works, Because I'm not planning on going solo. Wake... Oh, you know what this is about? What? This is about... Uh, he wants to have... He's about sex. It's all yeah. about sex. Yeah. It's not about wake me up before you leave. It's like, wake me up. Wake me up. I want to bang. Before you... Uh, yeah, don't... Don't... Take care of yourself. I'll take care of you. Right. Now, well, it's, a, it's a George Michael song. Yeah. So now we know he's talking about a guy. He's talking about a dude. Yeah. He's his like yo yo. He's like bro. <laughs> his yo yo. Yeah. He's like bro. His wake me up before you go. Get on that pogo, <laughs> bro. <laughs> bro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can write it too. It's not what hard. A, what a, you know, I don't. I mean, whatever. He's gonna be gay, straight. Doesn't hey, matter. It's but fine. Listen, but here's the deal. Isn't when that I, interesting? When though? I was a kid. Like George. Elton John songs and all that, and it's like they're like these love ballads. But you're like, you know, now you go back and you're like, just you know, you're singing it to a dude. So let's let's get in that mindset. Yeah, do that. Yeah. So so the thing about uh, George Michael though was a lot of people. You know, people, you know, we got a younger audience, so they don't know this. George Michael was a massive stud. Oh, he was, every girl. He's a handsome dude. Every girl wanted him. Yeah, badly. A lot of guys were dressing like he had that like five o'clock shadow that was like just perfectly. He might have made the five o'clock shadow popular. I think he did. He was. I think he dyed it too. You know, it was like way too perfect. He was so he was so attractive. That's a really good point. You know, he might have made the five o'clock shadow. Now here's the thing. So therefore, I think so. So so there he is from from that video. From uh, he had that big old uh, cross earring. So Wham definitely looked. uh, What's the word? Androgynous, right? You got the the. Didn't it it was the eighties look right pretty but then if you look at the george michael video uh what's that song uh uh faith yeah look up george faith, michael faith, faith. faith this right here women were they couldn't even there's no the g i mean, oh, I mean yeah. look, at that, oh, yeah. look at that bro come on now it makes you question yourself even right adam yeah. <laughs> <laughs> handsome as fuck yeah, right there just, right it's too yeah. handsome we're, like it's, women just were like oh man like a big sigh yeah you know like they weren't getting anywhere and a lot of guys were like Maybe. Like, hey. Not maybe. <laughs> I mean, 
He had the the right circumstances. He had the long uh, earring. Remember the thing that was in in the eighties? Yeah, it was the long cross earring he had. Yeah, yeah like was, Barry Bonds and him both had that. Just oh, it's like side. a it's like a lightning bolt. I, I was wrong. It, it's not a cross. It's a lightning bolt. So okay. is that was that a thing back then where if you only had your left ear pierced, it meant you <clears throat> it meant you were gay? Yeah. Is that for reals? Uh, that was kind of a signal, right? <coughs> it was yeah. uh, the way that they were able to kind of define that. Yeah. Now, did you ever get your ears pierced, Justin? I did actually. I got you one, did just just one time. No, you didn't. I did because I was bored in college, and this is how things like that start, right? Uh, is that the only way? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Starts with that, then you start dyeing your hair, and then you listen to George Michael, and you know where it. And goes then you and your there. friend, but um, experiment. So yeah, I did. I definitely, definitely pierced my ear, and I regretted it. Both ears or one? Just one. And so I, I thought. I thought because. I don't know if I'm somewhat of a, I try to be like, I don't know. I, I lean more on the macho side of things. And so I was like, I was like trying to convince myself that like, if I did it on the top of my ear where it like hurt more, that that was like cooler. Oh, that's where you had it. I had it like on the cartilage part at oh, the that's top. Even worse. Yeah. It's yeah. Way worse. Yeah. I know. You know, the funny part was you put so, like a piece of sandpaper through it just to look tough. Yeah. 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 It was like blue with like some little ball. It was really not. How long did not you keep it in for? Tough. Um, I kept it in for two days. Oh, that's it? Yeah. So I, I, I actually, you know why? Because Not I went to go, anything. No, I went to go get my haircut and, uh, I go to like this manly ass barber who was like this old guy with like a flat top. Oh, great. And so he's like, he's like giving me the fade, you know, and like doing the whole thing. And so, and he kept like hitting it. And it was like real fresh, you know, and like it was all sore and like shit. flicking it. And he kept flicking it with the thing, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then he just kept hitting it. He's like, ugh. And I, he was <laughs> fucking with me. And I'm like, dude. And I knew what he was doing. Like he was just like, yeah, yeah you like that. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> you like that. Nice little earring you got there. You know. Wow. He's like throwing some like weird is that the only, homophobia on me. Is that the only piercing you ever had? Yeah. Why you, you why, why are you why are you looking down? I don't know. <laughs> Prince Albert. Uh, you know. You paused, bro. There was a pause there. <laughs> I knew a are guy. You being honest? One ball pat. Did I tell you about him? No. Yeah. <laughs> one one ball pat in college. Dude, he had that bar that goes like right under Prince your Albert. shaft. Prince Albert. Yeah. It's Prince Albert. And Wait, why was he one ball pat? Because he only had one ball. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> He's like he came a, back from like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, one ball pat, dude. <laughs> he had like a ball cancer. He's and a, he took a, one of them. Was, a dick a sad story, but yeah. but he made it work. It was one ball pat, and so he had this like it was like this big. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And um, it went through the shaft. I was like, <sighs> so like, he showed you. You just mangled, like yeah. Yeah, I, I looked at. It. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Again, I, I, I. You don't have to. No, listen. There's much enough. <laughs> you know, yeah. Regardless, this is another one me. I just like barely made it out. You know, like I just, I just avoided something that you know. He's like, hey, check this out real quick. He's like, hey, look at this. You know when Ever you seen lose something like this before? You know when you lose a ball, the other one makes up the difference and makes the testosterone that the one ball. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if it grows is that too. True? I don't know. I wonder if it grows too. So since you saw him, was it a bigger than normal testicle? Do you remember? Do you remember? I, you know, I don't you remember what it felt it's like. It's not really burned in my head. 
<laughs> it, it was really cold on my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. He pushed hey, it. He I'm took gonna, it further. I'm going to one-up you He's going to own it. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Now, Adam, you had both ears pierced. No, I just one. I just had one also. Oh, you, I thought you had both. Yeah, but I didn't have the top. I just had the I bottom. I feel like you had your tongue pierced. No? No, bro. I can see that. You never had your tongue pierced? <laughs> no, I didn't have my tongue pierced. <laughs> can you imagine? Get the fuck out of here <laughs> so, with that. The, remember that guy that would like roll it across bro, his teeth? Like, <laughs> first of all, if anybody in this room was going to pierce their tongue, it was it would be you. Right? Obviously. No. Of course. What do you you, like you painted your toenails. You could do it. If a girl liked it, difference. you would have done it. No, no, girls liked it at one point. Yeah, why didn't you do it? But I, that's no. Too painful. No, no, that's not my thing. Yeah. yeah. I had a buddy who- it's, There used to be like, there wasn't there a meme floating around that? Like if you have a, a tongue piercing, you probably suck a dick. Really? Boy, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know if that was a thing. It's kind of an obvious signal. There right? was a lot. No, I mean, a lot of people got it. Well, let's see. For, for a while in the beginning, in the early days of tongue piercing, men and women got it. And then it became more of a girl thing, right? But it wasn't it at first like a guy angry. Same thing with belly button rings. Did you know that? Yeah, I had a buddy that had a belly oh button ring. When they first came out, when they first came out, it was a guy and a girl thing. And then it quickly just became like, no, only girls get their belly such button a, ring. I feel like it's it's idea. always been one or the other, and then just somebody got the didn't get the memo. That's yeah, what I yeah. think. Yeah, hey, check <laughs> out my belly button <laughs> ring. Actually, Actually, belly button rings were always for chicks, and yeah. then I think some people just didn't get the yeah. memo. I, I remember a, one guy that did he had like a sun tattoo around it, and it was Oh, that's, Damn, that's the is it the same guy? Dude, this is the same dude. Hold on. Wait, I think did we, we all know this 24 hour? Yes. I think we I all know, know you're talking that's about. That's Casey. Oh, wow. Wow, I like yeah, how Adam wow. just calls people yeah, out. No, yeah. I do. The, <laughs> here's his address. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yep. He's I think, my roommate. Really? Oh, yeah, oh, fuck really? that guy. You know what I'm saying? No. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some bad blood what? there, huh? Yeah. No, he was, he was somebody who lived with me for a, a, a short stint. He was a, um, what do you call What do you call a liar who lies all the time as he knows he's lying? Oh uh, yeah, pathological, pathological liar. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was a pathological liar. And yeah, he was, he doesn't look like he made a lot of good decisions. No, he was not. He was not. Uh, and he was the he was the uh, first person that I ever knew personally that was addicted to coke too. Like he after he, yeah, I know, just rolling this dude on the bus. Wow, <laughs> what was his last name? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Fuck this guy. I don't care. Like, he left my house when he left my place when he finally moved out, and I cleaned his room out because he didn't really clean his room when he left. There was uh, razor blade marks all in my window seal and little like half cut straws everywhere. Oh my god! And I remember even like I I did you know he was addicted to coke? No, or? I had no idea. Like I I mean I at, at up until that point you just I, thought he was really energetic. Well, no. What's funny is so <laughs> I I could count on, on I could count on one hand how many times I had been around coke at this point. This is like my mid twenty like twenty five or so around this time, and. So I hadn't been exposed that much to coke. Definitely not to somebody who's been a, who was addicted to it. Now all the signs were there. If I go back now and like someone's asked me, like I've talked about this guy before, and he had the most rancid breath in the morning, mm. and we would get in my car, and it was it was so putrid. I'd pull the car over and like look in the car. And I didn't. I, it took me a few times of us getting in the car in the morning together for me to realize it was this dude's. This guy's getting roasted. This, this, is, this is fun. Keep this going. This is a fucking cokehead. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you deserve it. You deserve to be talked about. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Fuck him. Yeah. So his his breath used to stink like crazy. I didn't put that together then. The part that was like shame on me. Like I remember we we both worked at the same place, so we would carpool a lot of times at work. And I, I get up, I've talked before on the show, I get up like three times a night, I have to go pee, I have like a, a child's bladder. And I'm up all the time going pee, and every time I get up to go to the restroom, 
this dude would be out in the living room in like one of those one of our uh, like camping chairs, like in the middle of the living room, fucking video games. Four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and shit. Oh wow! Yeah, and then we get him go to work at like eight. <laughs> I'm like, what the? Like, fuck? This guy's you a, don't sleep. This yeah. guy's a champion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, <laughs> champion. That's what I used to back then because we're all on speed stacks and on all fucking liquid coke. You're, you're on the weed. You're the weed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Herbal yeah. coke. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the light, yeah, coke light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that we're all doing coke so, with training wheels. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't piece that. And so he had, you know, his his teeth were kind of like rotted. He had this coke breath. And he had and he had this staying up late stuff, so it didn't all come together though until he moved out and I found all the evidence, you know, the razor blade marks on my freaking window seal, all the cut straw, but they were just everywhere. How are people addicted yeah, to coke? Yeah. That's so that could be so expensive. Know, well, right? it got to be the most expensive. Well, we make good money back then. I mean, we we're all kids making six figures. I mean, that's a lot back then. And so you're just blowing it all on yeah drugs. On yeah, yeah, no drugs. Yeah, drugs and then like outfits. You know, he was always wow. in, he was he was dressed. <clears throat> He was dressed all I had a, to uh, the nines. Always. I had a guy that used to work for me, a trainer, super burly, jacked, uh, kind of like this really kind of manly dude that used to work for me. And for a second there, he, me, him and I started working out together, and we also worked out with DJ. You guys know DJ. Good, good, good guy. We all started lifting together, and we all became workout partners. Well, I, we go in the locker room to change after one of our workouts. This is after the guy worked for me for like six months. Dude takes his shirt off and he's got both nipples pierced. I just had no idea. He's the most conservative, <laughs> like most conservative, straight laced, kind of macho, tough it's dude. It's always kind of shocking. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, dude. You're like, you like to get those things pulled. Yeah, so I told everybody in the gym. Everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just terrible. I have to go up and flick him. I would yeah. never do that. Dude. I have super sensitive. Oh, nipples. yeah, that sounds horrible. You want to get punched in the face I hate, by I can't me. Stand people touching Here's why. Here's the, the, there's two reasons why I never got anything pierced. One is because my dad would have ripped it out of my face or whatever. That's one. Yeah. Two is because then I always had the fear of what if you get in a fight and somebody grabs that shit yeah. and pulls it well, out. And those are all two real things. Yeah, those are two real things that could because I, I know what I would do if I got in a fight with someone with piercings. Yeah. That's the first place I'd go. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice little hook. The, 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 I think the earrings that I always Dude. the earring would always like come right out. Like if someone did, did like hit because if you got into a scuffle, which I'd been in with an earring, and I think it just pops right like, out. Do you take them off real uh, quick yeah. before you throw <laughs> no, down? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, second. yeah. yeah. What second? <laughs> Let me take my hoops out real quick. Hold this for me. Hold my earring. <laughs> yeah, Put them in your little baggie. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, it's funny too because uh, when I was at San Jose State, uh, we're like, I used to live at this house and this guy, this guy's talking about pierced nipples. There's this guy that he had both nipples pierced and he had a third nipple and he decided to pierce it just to like, wait a whoa, minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait I'm not minute. even joking. Where was it? Right here. Like, right, like under, if you go down a little bit lower, kind of on the rib, he had another nipple. So and then it was like he's like a cat pronounced yeah yeah it was like a teat wow I might see I might pierce that I can get down with that you know what I mean I it's actually like thought it was a bold move right, I was right. like it's there people are gonna be weirded out about it may as well fucking pierce it might as well pierce it now here's the question or tattoo around it make it like into something like put a pair of eyes and make it like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what I would do <laughs> a boob yeah. yeah so now here I got my third eye right here here's the real question is it sensitive like the other two nipples or is it just a look like a nipple but yeah. just feels like skin I think it's a falsy. It's yeah. a, it's not real. Yeah, it's a faux. Because nipple. if it did feel like something, that might be kind of interesting. You know what I mean? You could have a few <laughs> play the yeah. thing out. Little ping pong pong. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's like one, two, three. Oh, you yeah. tune the radio a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I have a, I had a cousin of mine send me a, a picture of this. Uh, I want to tell you guys about this of this hemp oil that he bought, some brand I never heard of before, 
And he's like, hey, is this good? I just bought it. It cost him like 75 bucks. Why didn't you tell me he was Ned? Well, hold on. Let me tell you the story. So okay. first, yeah, he didn't listen to my show. And, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. idiot. Anyway, so. <laughs> Where have you been? But he still knows to ask me questions about, you know, supplements or whatever. So he sends it to me. And so I sent him the article that I had shared with you guys a while ago about how there were some independent labs going around testing these hemp oil companies. And uh, a lot of these hemp oils have very little active cannabinoids. They're just, it's just oil. And oh, so, wow. yeah, and there's, you know, the market right now is being flooded with, with all these hemp oil products and, and CBD-based products, which we called a while ago. You're going to see, it's, it's, by the way, it's going to go even, it's going to go gangbusters now because they just passed the laws making hemp, uh, you know, loosening the laws on hemp. So now hemp can be grown right. all over the place. And because there's such a, right now there's such a, a, a thing around, uh, a buzz around CBD and cannabinoids and even cannabis that people now are going to probably try and get stuff from hemp. So you're seeing it all over the place. So I told him, like, listen, buddy, I'm like, you probably got garbage yeah. because all the stuff that's out there right now, when they test them, a whole, a lot of it comes back, just like supplements. You know, a lot of it comes back, and they find that it's got crap in it. So I, I had them do some research on Ned, and I said, check them out because you know when, when we first worked with them, mm-hmm. I had them send me the, the lab. I wanted to see the lab tests. I want to see how many what are the cannabinoids in here? How no, much we CBD is in there? We went back and forth with them for a while. I remember when you were on the, the call with them. Speaking of that, and speaking of Ned, we had a lot of people on our forum that were wanting us to respond to what our buddy Mike. Matthews talked about on his show the other day in regards to CBD oil. Did you listen to that by any chance? I didn't listen to his podcast, but I read his... Now, first off, the, the article of his blog was very catchy to kind of get your attention. Yeah. And here's the a thing about... bait and switch a here's a, Well, no, it's not bait. No, here's the thing about Mike. He writes... He's very... He's got a lot of integrity. And he ha- he has a tough time promoting or talking about anything unless it has super established evidence so he doesn't really he doesn't like to promote or talk about anything that doesn't have like this crazy right. amounts of evidence a lot of the evidence supporting uh cbd besides treating epilepsy is like newer type of evidence and so it's not super highly established yet um and so that's kind of what the article was about so it's not a lot there wasn't anything in there that i really disagreed with and really his point is Kind of what I'm talking about, how it's flooding the market, and they're just throwing it every everything. Yeah, right. There's right. protein like powder. a forewarning to really like, yeah, make sure you get the quality out of it, and not, not just get quality, but it's also not this panacea where you're just gonna, you know, you oh, can like treat it's, everything. It's the magic pill. Yeah. yeah, and you oh, it's now you see protein powders with CBD. Uh-huh. You you know, you know, here's a bath bomb. Put it in your bath. It's got CBD in it, or rubs, uh-huh. you know, CBD on your eyeballs to make you whatever. There it's is a lot of that going around. A lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I saw CBD cereal. Actually, had somebody really? sent yes. Whoa. <laughs> somebody sent me a, uh, a picture of the cereal. We'll see. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Weedios. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yummy. Weedios. The, the biggest application <laughs> I use our Ned for right now is either the dogs or myself at night. And I don't even use it every single night. It's like one of those things that I know. Well, yeah, I have a. So I was gonna wait to we got on the show, but like last night, I swear, like we almost died. Like my. Whoa. <laughs> It was it was crazy because it rained really hard and like we're underneath all these redwood trees, and every time that there's a big storm that comes through, I'm always worried because of the wind. But mainly when it rains, the the limbs get really heavy, and I'll show you guys pictures of this later. But uh, all of a sudden, like so, my youngest was like like doing some like art craft on on the kitchen table. And we were kind of doing our thing, and then all of a sudden we heard this huge boom, crash, smash. And we look over, and it was like almost like a full size tree 
just went right through the roof. What? On the overhang of the roof that goes onto the deck. And it, and it came down like at an angle and just pierced right through the roof. And like, all I could think of was it was maybe feet away from my youngest. And so what, we what the hell freaked out? How did you not bring that up? I, it's weird how he brings up shit like this. I was waiting 20, for the show after we talk about George Michael. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, warming you guys up. I only almost died this weekend. Hold on I a second. Literally. So there's a branch sticking through your roof. Right I will now. show you pictures. Yeah, it is so like it was. It was hard for us I to want sleep. To see, I want to see pictures now. Pull up All your right. phone and give yeah, it to so, out. So, so everybody's freaked out. Yeah, no, it was. And so why I'm bringing that up is because like, like Courtney already deals with anxiety and already deals with a lot of, um, you know, some like past like trauma stuff we're kind of working through. But um, like that just intensified like of all of our state. And so, you know, that was like literally the only thing I could think of was the takes and like. Uh, you know, of, of of the Ned stuff to try and like help with that process. Of, like, wow, what a down. great transition to a commercial right yeah, there. Yeah, did it let's work? Go, okay. Yeah, like, let's go extreme. Like we're we, ready to die, right? We, you're almost, we're almost ready to die. We took yeah. some Ned. Yeah. We took some Ned. <laughs> Here, look. Did it help her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Pass this over. Let's yeah, see let this me shit. see this picture, bro. What happens if this actually it like, hits? It was like either that or I was going to drink some alcohol because it was oh, so traumatic, God, dude. What if this goes inside your your? What if it goes in the roof part of your house? Will it go through? Yeah. Of really? course. Now, I've only been using the 350 meg. I want to order the 750. I want yeah, to order the, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's got, it does have in, anxiolytic properties what for sure. I'll debate anybody on that. Uh, I, I said that, by the way, because on the forum, people say I say that all the time, apparently. That you'll debate, that I'll debate anybody. I'll debate anybody. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I do a little- Constantly throwing it out there. You want to be consistent? Yeah. Did you guys see in the forum, they, there was a bunch of quotes that we say on the show all the time? Yeah. You, know, like yeah, 50. Yeah, you have like yeah. a thousand for you. Yeah, I know. That means you yeah. talk too much. Well, no. Probably. You, you do a lot of the setup, so it's like part of the formula. You know? Yeah. yeah. If, if, if something works, I just keep using it yeah. until it stops <laughs> it's working. It's fine. Yeah, anyway. No, that's me and dick jokes. So what, do you, what are you going to do? So that is it dangerous to live where you live? You know, obviously. Well, so here's the thing. Everybody gets it furred up um, after a while once the limbs start kind of growing back. And had been talking to my neighbor about it because he had just had some guys over to do it. And that, that was like next on my agenda because it had been a while. But still, our limbs weren't that big. And, and so this was on a tree that I didn't even consider it was like it was it was one that was sort of off to the side so i guess the wind blew it kind of at an angle and it it, it shot down diagonally so flew it literally flew is it like get a, super windy up pierced there? through <laughs> um I, that day it was really windy yeah so the, the, the trees like and the thing about redwoods they're really stable and so they don't <laughs> it, you're not worried that any of them yeah. are going to uproot or anything but the sometimes if you let those limbs grow to like a good size, it is that can happen. See, every once in a while, I I, I almost want to live. Yeah, where you're near at. the wood. <laughs> the spi- the this does spiders, deter the spider then, uh, stories yeah. and the trees coming. Through. This yeah. does deter people yeah. for sure. <laughs> now I'm cool. Yeah. You know what the thing is? I'm all right with it. I made peace with it. It's not even so much of the danger about it because that this, that does suck. It's the dealing with the cleanup after. I'm like, oh god, now I got. Oh, I know. I'm gonna get the chainsaw out and take care of that bitch later. Or, today, so. Hey, you know, that means <laughs> you're getting laid though. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the shirt off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I got like my flannel tied at my waist. Yeah, you like, know. You know he gets everything already too. And try and times it for when. Yeah, hey, I bet that's the first first thing that went through his head. Yeah. Exactly. It's a crash. Smell like wood chips. Don't you worry. I mean? Don't worry, baby. I'll take care. Yeah. I got, don't this. Worry. I got this. I got this. Yeah. yeah. I went out. I went out first thing. Took pictures. She's like, be careful. 
<laughs> like, ah, I got this. Anything yeah, for yeah. you. No, Listen, no, no big deal. When it comes to no my family, deal. I'm like, ah! <laughs> like I was looking up, like I couldn't see it. It was super dark. It was fucking scary. <laughs> I was like, terrified. Listen, babe, when it comes but, to my uh, family, I, I pulled it off like I was confident. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. I got this. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> so, so would you guys? Uh, what was that that article that Rachel shared with us? Is it was it Mastercard now is taking getting rid of the name? Oh yeah. Name? So I read that. Like basically, their whole thing was that they're an international brand, and so they're well known. And so Apple and Nike, they're kind of like uh, uh, comparing the fact that they would like they kind of distilled down their their branding and imagery to just the icon. And so that's all it was. It wasn't like anything to deal with like MasterCard being like, well they said something about card like they don't want to have card in there because now the way people are paying yeah you don't even have a physical card like that, you used to right so it's just going to be the it's but just I, it's just the the image of the two circles in order to do that though you got to have a really established brand yeah it's it's silly anyways you yeah. got to take the name off yeah, it's not going to say. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It is yeah, because I could I could foresee a lot of idiots not doing the research and be like, oh, it's the way to do it. I want to read the book that she's reading though. Now yeah. I already looked it up. I'm gonna what book? Uh, oh, the was, one that Rachel. I thought reading? it was like some weird social justice. Get rid of the name master, you know, oh, or something. Yeah. Oh, I got. While you look up that book, uh, Adam, I got a I got a dad joke for you guys. Right for this. Oh, you can't wait. My 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 daughter thought this was the funniest thing ever. How do you keep fish from smelling? Uh, Just cut off their nose. Nice. Boom. Nice. Boom. That's, anyway, that's, so what's the book? Yeah, she came up with that? Ah, oh, she's... She I'm telling you, she's going to be a natural. She loved it. Oh, you know what she's been watching nonstop, which I'm letting her do, because I don't like my kids just watching TV for hours, unless I think it's something that I think is cool for them. Okay. She's been watching magic, like crazy. Really? Yeah, like on just, Netflix. Just magic shows? No, oh, like, that, like specials. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from England. Have you seen his She special? watched all of them. Oh yeah, that guy's fantastic. So here's the thing. So there was this one, this one little trick he did where he was at this this uh, like outdoor shop or whatever, uh-huh. and he just walks up to some random ladies, and there was all these wood carvings of like animals and stuff, and he goes, "Let me guess which one you're most interested in, in you know in looking at or whatever," and he guesses, and it's a it's a it's a wooden frog, and he puts it in her hand. And, you know, she's like, wow, how did you know? And then he waves his hand over it and it turns into a real frog. Oh, yeah. And everybody's like, whoa. So I looked at my daughter and I'm like, because her, her favorite is David Blaine, right? Mm-hmm. She might even have a crush on him. Damn uh, it. David Blaine. Son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but the crush part makes me a little irritated. <laughs> Nine years old. But anyway, yeah. so I'm like. Uh, uh, it's going to happen. I know. I know. What am I going to do? Yeah. So I'm like, uh, so, I, so I said to her, I said, whoa. I said, he turned it into a real frog. And she's like, so cool. I'm like, do you think he's as good as David Blaine? She's like, no. She goes, David Blaine would have ate the frog too. <laughs> I was like, that's so the true. frog would have had a card in it that he pulled out. Yeah, he would have cut it open. It would have been some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. How true is that, though? Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny. I, I was I was listening. I think I was listening to a magician on uh, Joe Rogan. I think, and they were talking about how like magicians are some of the biggest skeptics. Yeah, which makes perfect sense because right? they know all the but yeah it's yeah. like and and there's this whole underground history behind all the different tricks and like the the sleight of hand and uh things that you can get away with in terms of distraction and so i, I thought that was that was fascinating because most of them are um uh, uh, uh atheists mm-hmm. and and very much like look back at history as like most of you know religious practices or people in power have used uh, these manipulative tricks that, that they know all about. And so I thought that was, I just was, uh, I was thinking about that and I was like, I bet you there's a lot of truth in, in a lot of like some of these 
ways that old wizards of the day and you know used well, to as, use. As as she's watching these magic <laughs> these magic shows and super enthralled, and she'll practice little magic tricks on her own. I just. You can't help but do this as a parent. Like, and I know you do the same thing, Justin. You, you see your kid do something, you just, oh, they're going to be a fucking, you know, yeah. greatest magician. Right. So I'm just like, I, I was having this conversation with Jessica. I'm like, could you imagine <laughs> if she became like a bad, because how many female magicians do you know that are badass? Yeah. Dude, she could totally be a magician slash comedian. Yeah, like, see, how, how awesome that's exactly that what I was thinking. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> how proud I'd be. I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless she didn't make any money, they'd be like, sorry, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like your magic tricks, but you gotta, yeah. can you make you money up here? Bills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't have you. You're 30. You got to right. get out of the house now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So uh, did you see that article by The Hustle? I think it was uh, Jackie that shared it with us on uh, gyms. The, oh, if there are gym memberships. Oh, I didn't read it. A waste of money to worth, have a gym membership. What, was, what were they trying to are they worth determine? The money? Well, so they did the- They, they, did just, the, did, they just did the, the same old thing that we talk about where the average person gets a membership and then they don't use it and they pay X amount on it. Well, there's a big study that was done that finds that the average gym member goes to the gym about four times a month. Um, and so when you do the math of how much it costs per hour for them to go to the gym, it's something like 14 bucks an hour, something silly like that. So they're, they're saying, oh, here it is. 82% of gym members go to the gym less than one time per week. 82%, 22% completely stop going six months into their membership. And 31% say they would never have paid had they known how little they'd use it, which I think is a, that's, a, that's a weird one. Why wouldn't 100%? It's funny because I think- Because the, the, the small percentage still believe they will. That's it. I right. think people like the idea- of having a gym membership. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. I think I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to get there. Yeah. Because they'll do studies on people where the further out, <clears throat> if you ask somebody to, to tell you, you know, what they're going to accomplish, the further away it is from the present, mm -hmm. the more optimistic they are about their abilities. So like if I say to somebody, hey, do you, do you think you'll be able to write a book in, in you know, in 10 yeah. years or whatever? <laughs> like, absolutely. And I said, well, do you think it'll happen in a month? Well, never. You know, do you think you'll be able to lose 30 pounds, you know, like six months from now? Yeah. If I say, you know, next month, I'll say no. So people tend to be very optimistic. With yeah. Stuff. It's like the thought of it. It's like almost like, oh, I thought about, you know, contributing to this charity the other day. I'm like, ah, oh, man, good job. You know, like <laughs> I thought about like, it. I just, I just thought about it. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gym memberships are funny like that, too. I mean, it's one of the few businesses where you, you I mean, even myself, right? I think I'm paying on fucking three gyms right now. Right. And the, the almost every workout I've done in the last six months has came in here, mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, how much money have I wasted just in six months time of paying three other gym memberships? You're subsidizing your, your, your fees are subsidizing for the people who use the gym regularly. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what it is. I'm it's, looking out for them. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, I support those I'm people. I'm keeping I'm your dues lower. You. Yeah. Because seriously, it, it's it, that's what it breaks boils down to is that most people don't use the gym and they're the reason why the fees are so low. Mm -hmm. If they never bought the membership, then the people who used it all the yeah. time would have to pay like 300 bucks a month. Then you'd have to actually abide by the fire code. How smart would it be to be like, have be a gym that does like an a la carte membership and then you also get like some sort of deal if you use it a lot? Like that would be cool. People yeah. have thought of that. It just doesn't, I think. There's been gyms that have done that. Well, yeah, like just, you pay X amount, but yeah. you get you gets knocked off your your like you 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 pay a hundred bucks a month, but every time you use the gym, we take a dollar off. Problem with that is it's the opposite of what you really want, right? As a as a, as a business owner, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like oh yeah, that's the your heart says that because you want to help people, 
supposedly why you start the business but in reality it's going to get more wear and tear on your facility and you're going to have your gym more filled up so less people can Mm -hmm. come in so it would not be ideal Mm -hmm. i mean that's the funny part about what we do i think that was what we were all felt so conflicted about for as long as we were in the gym business is you know we say we're here to help the people out but in reality we there's if you're you're, not helping a whole lot no you're not only you're not helping a whole lot but there's the the model is built to get you to enroll and pay a bunch of money and, and not never re- show up and never show up yeah there was, mean, there that's, was, the, that's the way the model one is of the designed. more in fact in fact one of the more popular memberships uh at the time when i was there at, at 24 fitness was a membership where you prepaid so you pay in advance and you'd have like a two or three year membership and then your renewal was insignificant it was so low it was like 49 dollars a year and 99 dollars a year and i think to yourself like why would they charge you $100 or less than $100 for the whole year to renew because they know you are never going to use that gym, but you'll also never cancel. Right. So yeah. they have a bunch of people paying 100 bucks a year. Yeah. A lot of people paying 100 bucks a year who, and I know I have family members like this. Like, yeah. oh, I got a membership. It's so cheap though. I just keep it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just in case. Just in case what? You're never going to go in there. Traveling or you know things. Yeah. That's why that membership yeah. thing works so well because it is one of those things where you're like, well, ju- I don't want to cancel it and then have to pay for the enrollment fees, this or that, or have have a higher membership than what it was before. So there's, I don't know, it's pretty it's pretty smart. Mm. It's pretty smart, but sad at the same time. Oh, so so I think we can talk about this now. Oh, right? finally, we yeah. get to talk about the- Yes. Yeah. We get to talk about what we got introduced. It's We've had them now for- Two weeks, three weeks. We got exclusive yeah. access. So, so Felix Gray, great glasses for all day use. They block a, a lot of the harmful types of blue rays, um, blue light rays. But they didn't have a nighttime version of their glasses because what you want at night is you want to block more. You want to block most of the uh, of these of the blue light rays, right? Because you want your brain to think that you're the way humans evolved. Yeah. Uh, our brain, your circadian rhythm. Yeah, our brains are supposed to follow the natural light rhythms of of the sun. So when the sun is up, we get lots of exposure to sun. When it goes down, it's darker. The brain prepares itself for rest. And they find, for example, they did they there was a study that done by the Nova Southeastern University College of Optometry. They found that when participants wore the Felix Gray sleep glasses, so these are the the the, the new ones that they have now, the ones that we tried. Mm-hmm. That they had an increase in melatonin levels of ninety six percent. Wow! Yeah, so and that's a big deal. You know, melatonin is an important hormone that uh, I mean it in- increases growth hormone. So if it's low, your growth hormone's low. If it's low, your sleep isn't as uh, as effective. It's not as recuperative. Low melatonin levels have been connected to cancer. They've been connected to all kinds of neurodegenerative disorders. So it's, you want to have healthy, it's like any hormone, right? You want to have healthy levels of it. Right. And so the way to use these glasses, here's how I've been using them. And, and here's the problem, by the way. This is what everyone's going to get blown away with. I've had nighttime blue blocking glasses in the past. The problem with the nighttime blue blocking glasses- Puts you to sleep. Well, no, and they're orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it distorts the color. Yeah, they're orange or they're red because they're, they're these- you, you know they're blocking all this different light, but then you see everything through this orange tint. So yeah. if I I don't go to bed when the sun goes down, sun, especially in the winter, right? Sun goes down six seven p.m. Yeah. I'm still up till nine or ten o'clock at night. I want to watch a movie. Well, I'm guess what? I'm going to watch a movie in orange color now because yeah. I have these orange glasses. <laughs> yeah. These Felix Grays, which blew me away, 
they don't distort color. Yeah. They're, it's like you're seeing through regular clear lenses. And again, you still don't look like a dork. And you don't look like well, a dork. Well, out of all, uh, out of, all of our products, this huge is for me. one of the things that I've fallen in love with the most. I mean, I, I've definitely adopted wearing the glasses during the day almost every day. It just depends. Like if I know that I'm not going to be doing a lot of computer work today, I'm not wearing them as I'm actually talking about this. Uh, but most days I do. Most days I wear the daytime ones all day long because I'm on my computer or on my phone all day long. And then now that we have the nighttime ones, when I come home at night and it's like six or seven, I just switch over to, to those because it only takes about an hour or so, dude. And I can feel yeah. your like, body come down. Yeah, I'm tired. You're, you're supposed to. It's wild. It's really wild. So that's the way to do it. So the way to do it ideally, and this this is not. I used to think that it wasn't that big of an effect. Like I used to be like, oh, well, what's the big deal? It's not going to make that big of an effect. Then you look, you start reading the studies, and you realize this is one of the single most impactful things you can do. Now, of course, when it comes to quality sleep, there's a lot of things that you should do, right? But this, in terms of just one thing that you can do that's going to cause a big impact, this is one of the, the biggest impacts. And what you should do is you wear the, the daytime Felix Grey glasses mm-hmm. if you're on your computer, you're on your phone, you know, all day long. When the sun goes down, you switch them out for the night ones, which block out more blue light. And the longer you wear them, the more of an effect. So rather than just wearing them an hour or two before bed, wear them when the sun goes down and then you have them on for four or five hours. Then you go to bed and watch what happens. Yeah, it's great. I I actually just put an order in because they have the prescription available for my prescription. So I'll do that during the day uh, now with with the computer and with my phone uh, to really help with that. Because before that, I was just wearing my reading glasses and, and then the... Uh, Felix Gray's at night, so having the combo of both is gonna be huge. Yeah, I love. I think I think it's very smart, and the way they did it without it having the tint, like Bravo, good job. Because I don't know anybody else who's been able to do that. So. Very smart. So uh, another uh, article for you guys, I want to read to you. So the title of the article is "Leg Exercise is Critical to Brain and Nervous System Health." So don't skip leg day. No, <laughs> all, all joking aside, they this research shows that neurological health depends as much on signals sent by the body's large muscles to the brain as it does on directives from the brain to the muscles. So the bigger the muscles, the more movement, the more uh, of an effect it has on the brain. And if you don't move those muscles... More neural connections? They're finding that the brain actually starts to, in a way, starts to atrophy. I feel like that's kind of a... Duh. Well, yeah. You would think so, right? But like, I, think- I mean, this, this speaks to what we talked about a bunch of times, too, where... Man, this is why bare minimum I might just go to the gym and just squat. Yeah. There's so much good carryover that happens and we don't really get this deep into it, but I mean it's to me it's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. If you're moving the biggest muscles in your the body, the, the overall demand from neurological muscle, calorie, heart, blood flow, oxygen, everything. It just seems like well, it's duh. more valid confirmation though because I think people disconnect their body from their brain and like their pursuits of of gaining it's all connected, knowledge. Man. Yeah, like it, you're going to uh, enhance the process of learning by also uh, physically being active and, and you know, building muscle and, and even, you know, more of these neural connections. Well, so here's how the study worked. They did it with mice. And what they did with the mice is they restricted mice from using their hind legs, but not their front legs, over a period of 28 days. And they continued to eat and groom normally, and they did not exhibit stress. Now, at the end of the trial, the researchers examined an area of the brain called the subventricular zone, uh, which in mammals has the role of maintaining nerve cell health. So they looked at it and they found that after 28 days, limiting the physical activity to the hind legs 
decrease the number of neural stem cells by 70%. Wow. So now the reason why this is important to know is because your brain gets lots of feedback from your body. And so a lot of your brain health comes from this type of feedback. And your, your body always prunes what it doesn't need, right? So you don't use your muscles, muscles atrophy. But also the, the stuff that your muscles can communicate to will also start to atrophy. And so let's say you're an intellectual and you just like to read and exercise your brain that way. You're going to do better if you also move your body. Right. So for people who want to improve their cognitive performance, who want to be smarter, who want to and this is something I, you know, I communicate with my kids all the time. Like my son, you know, he gets really, really good grades. He's very academic. And so I tell him, you know, in between, you know, every 30 minutes, if you're doing something where you're really having to use a lot of brain power, get up, move your body, do some squats, do some push-ups, even if it's for five to 10 minutes. When you sit back down, you'll find your performance is much better. And of course, it keeps you healthier. And now he's, he's telling me like, oh yeah, that totally works. It oh, makes yeah. a big difference. Because I, I mean, schools now are cutting things like PE. They're eliminating all these things, thinking that they're not important, that all we're here to do is teach the kids academics. Right. But even if that was your goal, is just to keep kids, you know, improve their academics and make them smarter in the cognitive sense, activity should also be a part of it. Even right. if you're not trying to get fit physically, you know what I'm saying? Right. It still improves the brain and the health. So It's all connected. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. Our first question is from Mind to Muscle. Our boy. Which sets determine the most amount of gains you're poised to get from a workout? The first few sets or the last few? Ooh, cool question. With your stance on volume, how many st sets per movement or body part is appropriate when starting a program? Now, that last part is... It's just the two questions here. Yeah, right? the last... Let's do, let's address the first part because the last part's a little tough. Now, now, I remember a long time ago... This uh, is a cool question. Yeah, this was a bit of a debate in the muscle building world Is it not a still a little bit? You know, I don't know if it, if it is so much because there's a lot of, si like a lot of studies <clears throat> now that show that, you know, volume is, is important when it comes to building muscle. But for a second there, what happened was... You had, uh, you know, kind of the golden area of body, golden era, excuse me, of bodybuilding was like the '70s, right, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and and all those guys, and they did a lot of volume. Yeah, it's all about volume. Those guys did crazy amounts of volume in their workouts, lots oh, of sets, lots. Oh, wait of reps. a second, are you going to address the second part first? No, nope. no, no, no. Okay, this is all you're, first. Yeah. You're talking volume right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I got, no, I got it. I got okay. the first part. So it was lots of sets, lots of volume. They did all this different stuff, um, and then during that period of time, there was one bodybuilder who was really, really different from everybody else. It was Mike Menser, Mike Menser and his brother Ray Menser, and these guys were came from the Arthur Jones school, where they believed that the that setting off the muscle building signal was more like a light switch, and as soon as it went off, muscle growth is going to happen, and what sets off that switch was intensity like if you just do one all-out insane set to failure that's what's going to trigger muscle growth and everything else is just kind of a waste mm. so there was a bit of this debate that went back and forth and then studies came out showing that no volume is also tied to muscle growth so really the answer to this question from my point of view is all the sets yeah, all the sets contribute to gains so that means that the last set probably is sending 
uh, maybe a louder signal than the first few because fatigue is set in and, you know, there's already some stuff going on. Oh, I feel like sets two through four. <clears throat> really? Yeah. But yeah, if you took... you get in the groove. Yeah, but if yeah, you take out I, set yeah. one, then you've got... Well, that's part of it is just learning the movement in the first part. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it really does depend on the movement, right? Yeah. Like if I think set one of a bicep curl could be the most impactful set that I do because it's a bicep curl. It's a preacher curl. It's something fucking so basic you can't screw up and your bicep's getting fully recruited. Do something like a squat, and man, the first two sets are finding the groove, getting everything firing properly, and it sets three, four, or five where I feel I'm getting the biggest bang for my buck. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think it would depend on the movement if I were to debate uh, what sets are the most important. Hmm. Uh, I think it depends on on the difficulty of the exercise. More simpler exercises, sets one and two. I think the more the uh, the exercise, how advanced it is, I would argue sets two, three, and four, like going further into it. Mm -hmm. Now that that's not to, that's not to devalue the rather sets though either, and say that like none of them are important. Yeah, I I see that, and that's the thing. I think they're all important and they all work together. So if you take out the the first few sets and just do one set, uh, is it going to be as effective as if you if you didn't have the first ones to begin with? It's like saying this. It's like saying if you don't prime your body before a workout, are you going to get the same results? Well, no, I don't think you, I don't think mm -hmm. you will. I think you'll get better results if you prime properly, even though the priming itself may not contribute to all these strength gains and stuff. So it's an interesting debate. It's almost like a philosophical yeah. one in the in the fitness. I feel world. like it it unlocks your body's ability to then uh, apply more force safe like you've taught your body the movement now you're comfortable to where i feel like you could press the the threshold a little bit more mm -hmm. going into it so maybe that at that point it's like i my intensity can then uh build up which will contribute you know as well as volume right we could just go on a marathon well, if doing we, that same movement if we speak to it like a skill which we talk about it a lot that you know treat exercise like a skill based exercise well think of it like a, a baseball player who goes out to hit home runs yeah and sure when he's fr the freshest and he hasn't swung the bat he has the most energy and the ability potentially to hit the ball harder and further, but his accuracy might not be there yet. Right, and then so and the, the, the but the likelihood of him hitting the longest ball, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe any, from a power standpoint, right, right, but not from a technique standpoint, right. Yeah. So and because it's a skill, right, that's what I'm right, saying. Right. And so, you know, I think his best home runs or the ball that goes the travels the furthest is rarely ever the very first one that he makes contact with. It's normally swings yeah, later in the zone. So I start hitting that sweet spot. I feel the same yeah. way about very high skill driven movement squatting deadlifting overhead pressing bench press move compound lifts i would say that you know sets one and two you may have the most energy and you may have the most potential for it to be the best and the most important but i would argue that it takes a couple of those sets for you to get the maximum out of that set yeah. not to take away from sets one and two or like we're talking about with priming, I think they're all important. But I think that when you're talking about a skill-based exercise, I would argue that the most important sets are the ones that, you know, after that you've got into yeah. the groove and, 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 and figured that yeah, out. Yeah, I think if you when you look at your program, um, you, you definitely can break out segments and analyze excuse me, analyze each piece of the of the workout and the program. But you have to look at the whole picture. And 
you know, I'll, I'll, here's an example. Like, if you if you if we were to look at a, a meter, let's say hypothetically we had this this new invention that measured muscle building signal uh, sets. One, let's say you're doing three sets of an exercise or four sets of an exercise. Sets one and two are probably not going to send a very loud muscle building signal. But as you get a little more fatigued, get warmed up, you really get into the groove. You're pushing harder. More blood is you know in the muscle. You're probably going to send a louder signal with sets three and four, four being the one that sends the loudest signal. But would it have sent that signal as loudly had it not been for the previous sets that set that one up? Mm. So you have to really look at the entire picture, right. you know? And so that's that's why this question is kind of a difficult one to That's a fun answer. one. It's a fun yeah, one to talk to. It's interesting it to speculate. Scroll back up to the top, Doug, so I can read the bottom, because the bottom half he's asking about- uh, How many with, sets per movement Yeah, with or your body stance part. on volume, how many sets per movement or body part is appropriate with when starting a program? I, again, back to the skill part of it, I think. Mm. I think that- I can go in and do two sets of a curl, a press down, a, an isolate, an isolation movement, and get bang it out. That's enough. Like if I didn't need it. I could do two hard sets, bicep curls, and get a massive pump from it. Send a signal, and I'm done with the work there. Anything after that, probably not as much benefits. Now, any of the skill based stuff. I, I really think I it need I need at least one to two sets just to find the groove. Mm -hmm. So I think it uh, it would also again depend on the movement or or body part on how many sets. I, I think it depends so much on the individual too, man. You of get course. A, you get a beginner. It doesn't take a lot, and you got to you know adjust vol uh, intensity and all that stuff too because intensity is important. I mean, the higher the intensity, the less volume you could do, and and, and vice versa. Right. And when it comes to a beginner, you're better off doing more sets than you are with more intensity. Like I could take a beginner yeah. and I could I could severely hurt them, overtrain them, or just do too much with just one set. I could take one set, squats to failure with a beginner, and they're going to be fucked versus taking a beginner and spend an entire hour doing lots of volume of very low intensity squat type movements and they'd be much better off. Um, so all those things matter, but the key is like like what, how many sets per movement or per body part is appropriate. The least amount that's going to get you your right. body to, to right. change. Right, yeah. that's the right amount. You know, you want to get to the point where you're doing the right amount. It's getting your it's it, you have the right balance of adaptation recovery. Um, you know, based on context of your your body's recovery ability, based on the context of your current level of health, and all that stuff. The right amount is the right amount. Well, Any more isn't better. Well, this is so. This I was just texting back and forth with my cousin who was just getting back into the rhythm of of training again, and he'd been falling off for like I think six months or so. And he has all of, he has all of our programs, and he want and he he loves split, and he he was diving back into split. I'm like, why would you start with our split program? You've been off for six months. Doesn't mean that you can't, but it doesn't make sense to jump into a program that high of volume. This is part of why when you originally, years ago now, God, now it's like four or five years ago, so crazy to think that, when you sent over MAPS Anabolic, what I thought was so brilliant about it was I, I remember looking it over and going like, God, this is just the right amount to really stretch and push somebody without really over-fucking-doing it. And that, like 80 90% of all my clients fall in this category right here that this is how they – should be training for maximum maximum results and you know that's two sets that's two sets of most all exercises one exercise per body part mm -hmm. and 
doing that three times in a week or two even you have it set to where you know you know two you do either or yeah if you're a beginner it's only two times if you're you're a little more intermediate maybe three times but that that volume of of training I think is to me that's where I send everybody anybody who's getting ready to get started and they haven't lifted for they've taken a break over the holidays or whatever is I I urge them to start in maps anabolic and start mm. with the least amount at first because it's not going to take much to send that signal and make that body picture change. it this way picture you have a basketball hoop and throwing the basketball into the hoop means your your body's going to progress okay so the basketball hoop is 10 feet away from me i'm going to throw the basketball into the hoop if i throw the basketball nine feet i miss the hoop if i throw the basketball 11 feet i miss the hoop this is the same thing with training volume and intensity and all those other factors. The right amount is the right amount. The right amount is going to get that ball into the hoop. Any more, and you miss. This is why we say the, the, do the least amount that's going to get you those results. Because we have a tendency to think that if some is good, more is better. There, nothing can be further from the truth when it comes to exercise. It's totally false. If the right amount is the right amount, any more than that actually reduces your gains, actually slows down your progress. And in fact, many times, especially with fitness fanatics, is the main reason why their body's not progressing at all. Right. It's why they're plateaued. If I take somebody, whenever somebody messages me and they ask me how, how they can get their body to start progressing again, I usually ask them, well, what's your experience like? What are your goals? You know, How long have you been working out? If it's somebody that's like, oh, I've been working out for six years. I work out five days a week. I'm super consistent. I know one of the easiest ways to get their body to, to, to progress is to reduce some of the stuff they're doing. Here, you're probably doing too much because I know someone in your state, you're probably just going at it too hard and too long and too much. Bring it back. You're just doing too much. Your body's not able to, to, to handle the, the volume, the load, the intensity, whatever. Now, that's not true for, for, for all cases, of course. Sometimes, many times, you're not doing enough. Many times, you're just not working out that much or you're not working out hard enough. But again, it's the right dose. So it's no different than... You know, if you're working out too little uh, and working out too much, both of them are not going to get you uh, more results. So when it comes to volume as a trainer, this is one of the most valuable things that you could do or provide to your clients is helping them figure that out. A, you have to figure that out for them. And then B, if you train them a long time, help them figure out their own body right. and how they know. And one of the, one of the gauges, see, here's, here's where soreness comes into play. I used to gauge soreness as a, a way to say, oh, I had a good workout. Like, oh, if I'm really sore, that means I had a good workout. Or if my clients are really sore, it means I have a really good workout. Later on, I realized that soreness was a great way to gauge if I did too much. Right, if you overreached. Yeah, if, I, if, I'm really, if I feel a little sore, that's fine. Uh, most of the times, I don't feel any soreness. But if I feel a little bit sore, like, I'm okay, that was good. But if I'm hammered, like if I'm super, like, oh my God, my chest, I could barely if, stretch if it. A, if, yeah, if it's affecting yeah. the way you move the next day. Yeah. You did too much. Wait, and you're always, here's the thing. I mean, we get razzed about this. I know we do with our peers that are other fitness inspiration people. Is That's just because we've trained so many people. And I think that most people, meaning 90 plus percent, you are way better off, you know, uh, scaling back and, undershooting that that the the bucket as you're mm -hmm. your, with your your analogy with basketball you're way better off undershooting it and and then slowly keep adding a little bit more adding a little bit more until you find that sweet spot than you are to 
overreach every time thinking that you're going to get there faster. Oh, it's an uphill battle. Well, wait, wait. Yeah, it's it's really hard to take a client who's just and here's what Adam's talking about. If if I had a client who is not working out enough, it's not hard to get their body to, to start moving and progressing. If I have a client that's just beating the crap out of themselves way too much, we have months of work to do. Mm. I got to get them to, okay, we got to scale back. We got to get your sleep better. We got to look at your, we got to let your body recover. It's going to take a couple months because you just, your body's fried. It's hard. It's hard at that point to get them to, to get things moving. But if I have somebody who's not working out enough, I'll just bump them up a little bit. Oh, there you go. Your body's responding. Right. Which mm-hmm. and, and those people are not who we're talking to. We're not mm-hmm. talking to somebody who has a hard time with consistency of even getting to the gym. It's yeah. like that person needs to move more. They need to exercise more. It's really to... And I think the people that are listening to this show are, are more on the fanatical side. They're more serious. We have a very large population of personal trainers. We have a lot of people that if you're listening to health and fitness in your your ears all the time, more than likely you're going to the gym pretty consistently and they're just trying to figure out the right way to do it. And the answer is is you are. You're always shooting for the, the least amount of work to elicit the most amount of change. And you'd always rather undershoot because you have room to scale up than to go as hard as you can, which is the opposite, I feel, that this, this space has been pushing. Mm, We've been yeah. pushing the intensity message for as long as I've been in it, and I, too, have fell victim to that, of thinking that this was the best approach, is balls of the wall, no days off, and killing it all the time, when it's like, no. Like, in fact, you're way better off doing way less and then going like, oh, wow, I could have done a little bit more. Great, you got another workout ahead of you in two days. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Do a little more then. You know, and just yeah, and look Even if it's about that mental toughness and really being able to work that side of it as well, like, you... I mean, you can work as hard as you possibly can at something, but like, what you need it, you need it to be able to stick. You need to be able to do that long term. And uh, this is just one of those things I had to learn the hard way that there is a smarter way to approach it to where it's it's fully incorporated in my life now. Like this mm-hmm. is something I can get up and go do another workout today. I don't have to worry about like, oh my god, my legs are, you know, I'm debilitated because of the workout I did previous to that. And it's 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 almost more hard of a discipline to back back it down a little bit. Next question is from KM Kendall. Can you expand on the idea that not all calories are created equal? For example, 500 calories of fries versus 500 calories of whole grains or sweet potatoes. I love this this discussion because it, you know, it goes back and forth, and I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so, to specify, if we were to take 500 calories of fries and 500 calories of healthy food, and we were just measuring the energy within the foods, um, they're the same in the sense that a thousand pounds of, uh, of feathers is weighs the same, same amount as a thousand pounds of bricks. of bricks. You know that old uh, riddle, right? Which yeah. was more? It's the same, right? Okay, that means that doesn't mean that they're the same in terms of how your body reacts to them. So here's what I mean by that, because we tend to only think of calories in versus calories out as if that's the only thing we need to pay attention to when we're trying to eat in a way to get our body to lose weight and feel good long term. Okay, yes, calories in versus calories out. It's a law of physics. It's uh, you know the rule, thermodynamics, right? It's the most simplistic approach you could take. Okay, well, but but how do you feel? Eat 500 calories of fries, and then eat 500 calories of a, of a well, well balanced meal. See how yeah, you feel. 500 calories of complaining to French fries to sweet potatoes is is too close, I think, for most people to get the analogy. It's a yeah. way simpler to explain to someone like, drink 500 calories of soda, and then take 500 calories and mix it between sweet potato, chicken breast, 
and and then some greens, and both are 500 calories. There's so much that you're getting nutrient value from the balanced meal than you're getting from five. And I think that's obvious to people. I think where people all of a sudden get this gray area or they get confused is when you compare things like a, a, a French fry, which is a potato that's fried, to sweet potatoes, there isn't a huge amount of difference. No. Not the difference between a 500-calorie drink of sugar versus a 500-calorie balanced meal. That So it's... And so it's a, it's a it's a large spectrum. Look, well, to me, it's just looking at like chemicals, like like different chemicals are going to affect me in a different way. Like uh, like why don't we like I just don't understand how we can't like discern the difference between like what type of nutrient value you're getting from one type of a food versus one well, that has you, the same type of a calorie, uh, you know, standard. I'll tell you why. It's because a lot of people, like our good friend Lane, who's out there that's, you know, on this march of there's no such thing. He's as a real rabble rouser, isn't he? Yes, dude. He's just this whole, this uh, whole march of it's... Like that word? Well, this, yeah, rabble rouser. <laughs> that's that's, where'd you pull that one from? I don't know. I just popped into my brain. No, that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a large community, and he's a part of it, that, you know, there's no such thing as bad food. And there's no, you know, there's no such thing as bad food and good food. It's all just, it's all just calories, right? Like that's, this is this, this movement. Why is it giving me diarrhea? This is this movement (laughs) that we have going on that I think is confusing people that are going like, hey, well, he's right. You know, law thermodynamics. And if it's 500 calories, 500 calories, my goal is to lose. Then really it's not going to play that big of a part. Yeah. In the whole weight loss, weight gain world. You're right. There isn't a lot of difference between 500 calories of soda and 500 calories. If you are a IIFYM person, it's the end of the night, and you have 500 calories left in your in your uh, available calories to eat or drink, and you decide to have 500 calories of Coke versus 500 calories balance. Can you still wake up the next morning and be leaner? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You absolutely well, can. Especially oh, if the macros this match is, too. This is that's all a young man's what, argument. That's what I'm saying. If all you care about is losing weight or gaining weight, then absolutely the law of thermodynamics does apply. And absolutely, if you have 500 calories left in the bank or the tank that you're allowed to consume and you choose to go all 500 calories of that in soda or all 500 calories in French fries and you pass on the chicken breast, broccoli, and white rice. Absolutely, you can still lose weight. The question is, how optimal is that for your body for all the other things and all the other benefits that come from the nutrient-dense food? There's other things, there's other systems, there's other parts of your body that relies on all these micronutrients that nobody likes to talk about because it's not sexy. One of the biggest things, biggest lessons I learned training hundreds of people is that the psychology behind everything that they do is the most important thing, right? So when you're talking about losing weight or gaining weight or changing your body composition, we're talking about doing this long-term forever, okay? And if you just look at everything as macros and calories, it ain't, you're going to have a tough time doing it. Or, unless you're like this fanatic about it and you're going to have this unhealthy obsession with counting calories and counting macros all the time. But we have to consider the subject. You have to consider the person. And 500 calories of one particular type of food is going to make someone feel different than 500 calories of another types of food. And it can be from the, the way it affects your hormones. It could be the, the way it affects your neurotransmitters. But it could also just be the palatability of the food. Like 500 calories of some foods are going to make me hungrier. 500 calories of other foods are going to make me not want to eat anymore. Should, is that a factor? Should we consider that factor when we're trying to look at our diet and trying to lose well, weight or gain about, weight? What about, Absolutely. what about skin, hair, digestion? You have all these other things. Sure. 
That, I mean, that to me, it's even simpler than that. It's like you, you have things that are in nutrient-dense foods that make your hair better, make your skin better, make your eyes better, make you shit better. All these things that are important to fucking being healthy and normal are, are, are packed in nutrient-dense foods. They are not packed in processed, packaged, sugary drinks and things like that. So... Yeah, if all you but but when we're talking about law of thermodynamics and calories in, calories out and weight loss versus weight gain, then yes, this is true that you could choose to do that. But there's there's so much more to your body running optimally than just losing weight or gaining weight. That's so, right. And That's and, right. and and, and yes, yeah, so like you're saying palatability and you know, if I were to have 500 calories of sugar at night, it would. It would just it'd keep me up and it would make me hungry and want more versus having a balanced meal. So that's obvious too, I think. Yeah, but. it's. It's. I was talking to uh, someone DM'd me about wanting to, they, they consider themselves a hard gainer. A hard gainer is somebody who finds that it's very difficult to gain muscle or size and they have a fast metabolism. I am a hard gainer. I was a hard gainer growing up. I know Adam's talked about this in the past. And so I had to reverse the way I, I talk to them because normally I talk to I'm people about that. <laughs> normally I talk to people uh, about how to eat foods that are going to make them more satisfied so that they don't have to deal with this ravenous hunger. Well, this poor kid's like, I can't eat any more food. So I'm like, look, you're going to want to eat foods that make you want to eat more and you're going to want to eat them in order of, you know, you don't want to eat the super satiating stuff first because you have all these other foods left over. Mm -hmm. Do it on the reverse. And so we were talking about that. And I actually I experienced it this weekend. I had... Uh, family over, and um, we were eating uh, sandwiches for lunch. And I never, almost never eat bread. Um, but this time I did. I had nice French bread. We made all these like real nice Italian sandwiches or whatever. And I find that Fred, uh, bread, excuse me, not only bloats me, so I kind of feel kind of crappy, but literally, do that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally an hour later, I want more food. Mm -hmm. It triggers more of an appetite. So if I'm, if I, if I, let's say bread was, uh, you know, healthy and I could digest it well, that probably would be a good thing for me to try and increase my appetite to have me eat more. All these things are very important. So all these factors are important to consider. And here's another thing I've told clients before. Can somebody gain weight on a whole food, natural diet, you know, of, of foods that they prepare themselves? Good luck. Themselves? They good, can't, you good can, luck. Good luck. right? But good luck. Like I used to tell clients. How many clients have you met? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I used to tell clients, hey, eat, eat all these foods as much as you want. Let's see what happens. And yeah. most of them would end up losing weight because they'd be satisfied. They don't want to eat anymore. Their hunger now is more appropriate because your body really, does your body really want to be super overweight? It actually doesn't. You know, palate fatigue exists naturally because in nature, if you overeat something and you get sick, it's not good for you either. Now, the odds of you doing that are low because you, you stop wanting to eat. Do you know when I put this together, I got it. We probably have to look the book up. Maybe Doug can look this book up. LL Cool J did a book. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, it's he a, knocks your mom out. It's, oh, yeah. He did a book, and I don't remember what year it was, but this was, this was pretty early on or maybe midway through my training career. And one of the things that I liked about it was, and this is when I pieced all this together as a trainer, was he had, um, I want to say, four or five sections of food. And it was, no, it's even further back than that one, Doug. I think it's that, that oh, bottom yeah. one. It's, that it's, one. One of the, it's one of the older ones for sure. Anyways, he, he, wearing pants? he had a, a section in there that was um, foods that you should never eat, foods that you should rarely ever eat, foods that you should eat sometimes, and then foods you should eat all the time. And then it had like a recommended like, you know, two to three times in a day for that mm -hmm. once rarely like and it was such a basic list 
but it was it was so put together i think in such a simplistic way that it helped my clients tremendously just to understand that listen you know There's stay sort of a hierarchy there right right and it and it matters there's no calorie counting going on here it's just like eat most of your foods from here try and limit yourself over here and it's amazing what a difference that made that was the, when i pieced that together was this and i think for man maybe for like a year or two i think i kept copies of this by my desk and this was just how i used to give clients out all the their their diet information because telling someone to go follow this this diet that I put together for the next two weeks was just it never seemed to last it never seemed to keep people going forever and then this whole wave right now with the IIFYM and people finding ways to fit these foods that are not ideal for you to be eating in into your diet because you want them so bad it's like well what are we really doing like it, you, you obviously have a, a, some sort of an addiction or connection to these foods that you feel the need that you have to fit them in somehow. Like, what are, yeah. what are you really doing? Are you just justifying mm-hmm. that? Like, that's why I don't like this whole. There's no such thing as good or bad food, and I understand the whole movement of like not demonizing food. I'm not trying to demonize food, but I'm also, I'm also very realistic, and I understand that I've trained lots of fucking people that allow a lot of these foods to come in all the time and they struggle and they battle with it. So much of dieting and nutrition is psychological too. Mm -hmm. And when you have to battle things that kick up cravings and things that you have attachments to and things that you've made connections as a kid and that you love it and whatever, like you, if you are still struggling with all that and you are, you're to me, the whole IIFYM movement. There's some foods that are just very much set up to overindulge in, you know, and it's like, Oh, like they're, perfect example with donuts like after the basketball game i was just like i was seeing red just because it's it's just one of those things where it's it's like the wrong reward you know we just did all this awesome physical activity everything you know let's let's benefit the body let's nourish the body now and then now we're giving it shit but it that's that's one of those foods it's like oh ooh, yeah i don't want another one i want another one another one right. no the whole this whole movement of like there are no good bad foods and you know there are no good foods that all follows the same trend of like you know morality is subjective. Oh, the and fat people. Everything's think. okay. It's another one of those. Th- it's another one of those yeah. things. Like there's, oh, there's yeah. no such thing as fat. There's the, just love yourself the way it yeah, is. Like yeah. no, there's no, 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 relativism you, for everything. Yeah, Yay. like like, like okay, I, yeah, there are bad things and there are good things in life. And no, I'm sorry. I know it maybe makes you feel better at night to go to bed and think, oh well, it's everything. I'm good. Everything's good because it, it's all relative. No, I'm sorry. There's there's objective things that are good. There's objective things that are bad. It goes to food as well. Does that mean that there's no use for a Pop-Tart every once in a while? No, sure, there may be a use for it, but does that make it healthy for you? Nope. doesn't change the reality. So, right. Next question is from Madness Fit. I've heard that training a mobile limb when the other is incapacitated in a cast or sling can actually cause similar strength gains in the injured limb. Yeah. Is there any truth to this? Yeah, there's yep. truth to this. There yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely is. I think this is the, I mean, this just supports the, the neurological side. Yeah. Right? I mean, just getting neurons to get firing and moving and stuff like that is going to, is going to promote, uh, you know, muscle sustainability anywhere on yeah. your body. There's a local effect, uh, you know, that, that you're going to get most of the effect, right? So if right. I work out my legs mm-hmm. only, most of the adaptation, most of the strength, most most of the gains are going to go to my legs. But there's also this kind of systemic effect throughout the whole body where, you know, somebody who only works out their legs is going to be stronger in their arms mm-hmm. than if they had never worked out at all, both from the hormone changes systemically, but there's also this muscle building signal that they've now measured that happens throughout the whole body. They've, they've actually done studies on this. This is something that's been observed for a long time 
One study found that if you, when subjects trained just their right arm and their right arm gained, you know, 20 to 25% strength and muscle, the left arm, although not being trained, would still gain around 10% uh, strength. So now why is this important to know? Because I look, people all the time will injure themselves and then say, oh, well, I can't go to the gym because uh, my leg is in a cast or my right arm is hurt. And so I just can't work out at all. And I always tell them, train the rest of your body. Just yeah. go to the gym and be active and work everything else out. Not only will it improve and speed up the recovery of the broken or injured limb, um, it'll also prevent atrophy. Um, and you'll be better off when that cast comes off. So this is an important thing, to, I, I think, to talk well, about. Well, I think that you get you get the blood flow, you get more oxygen, more nutrients, you get the CNS part of the carryover. Oh, yeah, the irradiation carryover. effect. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's a, a, a lot to that. I mean, yeah. I never, whenever I, well, anytime I've been injured, I've still been in the gym lifting and doing other things like that. I think it always helps the recovery process, too. Like when you start to actually rehab and if you've already had a momentum of working out and exercise, there's a systemic atrophy that happens when you just don't exercise the, the whole body. Um, it, that's more than just the limbs that are not being trained themselves. Like if you, if you don't exercise anything at all, let's say you're just, you just let's say all you care about are your arms. Here, this is a good one uh, to, to talk about. There's a lot of people, especially a lot of guys out there, who don't like to work their legs out. You know, they just want to work out their upper body. They want to work out the show muscles. Yeah, and I'll, legs. And I'll always tell them, start squatting and watch what happens to your arms. Watch, watch the arm size. Watch what happens. I remember there was this this one kid who worked for me years ago who he was all arms, all upper body. All he ever did was work out his upper body. And he's like, man, my arms are stuck at you know 16 and three quarters of an inch, and I want to get my arms to 17 inches. And I said, start doing some squats and deadlifts and watch what happens. And he's like, well, you know, he couldn't understand. He's like, well, why? Is it because I'm holding on to the bar and I'm trying to tense up and do this and that? I'm like, no. I said, your body... You know, it's, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and your body kind of knows this. That's the way I explained it, at least back then. And so, sure enough, I convinced him, um, you know, to work out his lower body, to do some squats. Sure enough, it was within like a couple months. Of course, his legs grew like crazy, but he gained a quarter inch on his arms. Yeah. And this guy was stuck there forever. Um, I've experienced this with myself when I've been injured. Um, you know, I, I've had injuries to, I've had my left knee. Uh, has been dis kneecap has been dislocated a couple times, and uh, the second time it happened, I went back to the gym and I still did exercises with my right leg, um, and my re my now this is anecdotally, but my recovery, um, my ability to gain muscle and strength back in the leg that was injured, was so much better when I worked out just my right leg. It was that whole you know carryover effect. So I think it's real important when you're injured to work out your whole body to to you know, amplify that effect or at least take care of that effect so you don't get that that super bad atrophy that you can get from being injured. But studies have proven this. It's been done for a long time. There's actual there's a term for it years I ago. I want to say, I'm going to look it up. Here we go. All the way back it. to 1894, they recorded, uh, it was recorded as contralateral effects hmm. or cross-education or cross-training effects. Mm-hmm. And these refer to the this these terms refer to the findings of untrained limbs increasing in strength during unilateral training. Mm -hmm. So this is not even a uh, like this isn't even this has been pretty established that for sure this ends up happening. Next question is from Dallas Dedman. Since you are all fans of cannabis, how do you think you'll approach the subject when your kids become interested in it or try it without you knowing? 
Do you think you will discipline them or allow them to do it within certain parameters? This is interesting. <clears throat> now, right now, right now, I'm assuming both of you keep it pretty undercover, right? Like your kids don't yeah. see either one of you. I've had conversations with my son about cannabis, and I try to keep open dialogue. He's 13. That's why I've had it with him. My daughter's nine, so she really doesn't have any questions about it. But I try to keep open dialogue about all all things. And I always encourage him, like, you can ask me anything. And I try not to act shocked when he brings things up because I want him to feel comfortable. And we had a conversation about drugs in general. And then he asked me if I tried certain drugs. Did you try this? Did you try that? And so I was pretty honest. And he asked me about cannabis. And I said, yeah, I did. And I have. And I told him about, you know, how I started using it, how I tried it when I was younger, but then how I started using it because it helped me with uh, my, you know, gut issues and how his grandmother, before she passed away, uh, she used it for treating her cancer, um, how there's medicinal effects, but also how there's recreational effects, why people like using it. Um, and I think it's important to have really open dialogue. And it's funny when people ask about cannabis this way, because everybody's kind of weird about it. Mm-hmm. I would, I'll treat it the same way I treat alcohol, you know? Like they see their family members drinking wine and drinking alcohol, right. and, you know, and weeds getting like this too, where you can be at a family function or event and there's multiple people that are probably smoking or going around the corner and mm-hmm. smoking and doing that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, um, I'll, I'll approach it like you alluded to in terms of alcohol, cause they have already been exposed to, to, you know, Courtney and I will have a drink with dinner and we've talked our way through that quite a bit. Um, in terms of, you know, how that affects us and, uh, you know, what the proper amount and like what, what really happens where it becomes problematic is when people, um, you know, start to lose their inhibitions with it and they go a little too far in the dosing of it. And it's all something that you can manage and maintain. And um, this is, uh, weed has not been one of those things that we've been able to, to, to cover yet, but it's going to be um, I won't call it weed. I'll, I'll say cannabis. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like even for me personally, I've had a, sort of a long road with that to be able to kind of unravel a lot of the stigma, uh, even with sort of hiding and being like a little bit in the the dark with it, um, and just knowing all the health benefits. You know, adjacent now that I could kind of refer to uh, that helps, but also just like knowing um you know more of the history behind it and just seeing all the uh the hypocrisy in terms of how they they handle substances like caffeine alcohol all these really popular drugs in a sense uh i just have a completely different view of it now than my parents than their generation and i think that our generation is going to be a lot different with it you know going forward so yeah. i think just don't make it weird yeah you just know? downplay if you make it really weird and well there has to be the taboo they're going to be more likely to want to f- go crazy with it and shit it's, like that you know this is an interesting question because one because i don't have kids but uh more so because i actually had this conversation with my little brother my little brother is 12 13 years younger than i am and so do the math when I was 28, 29 and getting into the cannabis space, you know, he's in his teens and right at that age of when you're probably around uh, pot a lot with friends in high school and shit like that. And here you have your older brother who was pretty much a straight arrow kid most of my life and, and was in fact anti-marijuana for a very long time. 
now like running a cannabis club and one of the first ones to do that. And then I got into growing and everything. So all of a sudden I go from anti-marijuana to fucking kingpin. And I got to tell my little brother that, you know, I have to have this conversation with him. I'll never forget the conversation. We're sitting up in my living room at my house and he was just starting to get into it. And I felt that I was afraid that he would not make the same intelligent or what I thought was intelligent decisions when it came to the usage of cannabis that I did. Um, and so that's what I feared was, you know, he's young, very, he was very young getting involved in it. I got involved with my late twenties. I had already won. I came from a, I was anti it. And so it took a lot to convince me that it wasn't just a bunch of hippies that were saying that it has medicinal benefits, just using an excuse to get high. So it took a lot of convincing, first of all, to give convince me otherwise with that. And then once I finally was introduced to the proper strains and realized like, oh, wow, I don't need to get fucking loaded. I can take a couple hits of something and I can actually experience some of these benefits that people talk about when it comes to anxiety or sleep or stress or whatever, or even you know, aches and pains. Like I started to see that stuff and go, okay, I can, I can see the benefits of this, but I could also still see where a lot of people go down the the rabbit hole and end up being addicted to it like anything else, even though it's not a quote unquote addictive drug, it can be just like anything else. And so I had this long talk with him and, and a lot of what I, I shared with him was that, uh, like what Sal and Justin are saying, which is, telling him that, you know, yes, it has some of it, its benefits and there's a lot of positive things that are around it. I said, but the scary thing is that uh, because it's something that we use uh, recreationally, that it can get, you know, seem fun and seem like something that you want to do a lot because watching movies is fun in it and playing video games with it is fun and doing shit on the weekend with your buddies is fun. And before you know it, it becomes something that starts to consume your life and something that I put together because I got into it being older, I'd already seen myself be successful in in the business world and and financially make it and be a grinder and a hard worker. And then I could see myself when I got high. And when I got high, I was not this productive, get after it type of guy who could work bell to bell seven days a week. And so that was my concern with him is that listen you're at you're at that age right now when you're young you don't have kids you're not married and if there was ever a time that you were going to pour yourself into excelling and and being successful and growing and learning and being better this is the time and quite frankly as much as your brother is is you know pro cannabis you know it does concern me on how much that would have uh slowed down the rate of my success in my early 20s had I been using it on a regular basis. So I had that discussion, and to be honest, I failed because I see my brother now, and he's high 24-7, and it's really unfortunate that he's attached himself to, you know, and he's an introvert, so what he used to explain, or if you were to hear him talk about why he uses cannabis is because it allow he he says it allows him to be himself and personable and he doesn't get this social anxiety he says he he deals with a lot of social anxiety gets around people and if he's sober he clams all up he doesn't want to talk to anybody gets nervous 
if he's loaded and he's high, he's outgoing, he's personable, he talks to people. Yeah, and then you end up training it and into your that becomes your default pattern. It, exactly. This is yeah. how you operate. And and so all of a sudden he starts to utilize this as a tool so he doesn't feel social anxiety. And so, well, since we're social creatures and we're around people all the fucking time, it all of a sudden warrants or justifies him smoking, you know, from sun up to sundown. And so I see that now and it's really, really unfortunate. And I've seen him spiral down from a, a lot of different things just of how he takes care of himself and is where the way he lives and shit like that. And it's kind of a bummer that um, I didn't get through to him. So you know, I, I think about that a lot and I think about what what am I going to do when I have a kid? And I don't know, like I, I, I know me and like the way I am with uh, with anything and discipline as much as I'm pro cannabis, there's probably a good chance that you won't see or hear me smoking very much with with kids, if ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the type of person that it's not that as pro as I am. It's not that important to be in my life mm. that I need that I will want to have to explain to my kid. Why True. is dad getting high? True. Well, yeah. And, and, and personally, I. I would love it if they refrained till they were older, you know, and like they were like mature and they had, they like even any altered state of consciousness. I want to see like, like you said, like it pouring themselves into these, um, you know, the development of their skills, the development of their education, like these, that keeps them plenty busy. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's, there's plenty of fun to be had uh, later on. And when you're mature and you make more rational decisions and it's not like so impulsive. If, if a person has good, healthy coping mechanisms, um, if a person is comfortable with being uncomfortable at times, then the odds that they will become addicted or have an, a, a poor relationship to a substance are much smaller. We know that now. It's not necessarily the substance that's the problem, although some substances have more addictive properties than others, especially physiologically speaking. Like caffeine is a very addictive physiological uh, substance. Like you go on, you drink caffeine every day for two weeks, go off of it, you'll feel withdrawal, right? So, and other drugs are much worse. But besides that, if if you feel like you need a substance to do something like to either deal with your depression or mm -hmm. deal with boredom or deal with social anxiety or deal with your wife or your husband it's or work, slope, then it's, it's much easier to become addicted because now I hate this part of my life. This makes it so that I can deal with that part. So they don't have the, they don't have the tools to cope or to handle, you know, everyday life. It's funny. I was, I was watching another conversation. I remember what interview it was. I think it was the one with the rabbi on, on the Rubin report. And he said that it's funny because people are need to learn how to become to be unhappy sometimes. Like it, you don't need to be fucking happy all the time. Right, right. You have to be okay with being unhappy and realize the benefits that comes from it. Same thing with being bored. Bored, yeah. <clears throat> like it's okay to be bored sometimes. In fact, being bored many times spurs creativity and, and opens up space in your in your mind to to remember and to do things. And so I think you know when it comes to my kids, I I really want to just try to raise them in a way where they have those coping mechanisms where they could deal with certain things. Because if a kid learns how to deal with something with a drug, that drug may become a part of their life. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if your kid is having a tough time through their teens, which a lot of teenagers do, and they're having their you know mood fluctuations that happen from it, maybe school is real tough, maybe you know whatever, there's something difficult going on in their life, <clears throat> and, they, and they find a substance, and that substance helps them cope with it, and now they've learned that pattern of coping with something difficult with this substance. Well, the next challenging thing that happens, they're going to do that again and they're yeah. going to keep doing it. And next I thing you know, you remove that. And next thing you know, they would rather be high than be sober. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the problem, really. So it's not so much the substance as it is is that. It's a it's a very scary and it's a really good question because I, I I think about this a lot because of I feel like I failed my brother, and that fear of what you know if and when I have a kid, like what, how am I going to deal with this? It, it, especially at this time, like we are in the we we come from a time when it was it was shamed, right? Or it was it was kept in the dark. Nobody super was, taboo. Yeah, very taboo to smoke weed. Um, so. It's it's becoming normal and hip and cool and just like anything like a glass of wine. It's becoming that that casual, especially where we're at in the Bay Area. And so I think about raising a kid in that. I like in and during that time, I really think that we're in this window, in this like ten year window or so of a very scary time to be trying to raise a kid around this subject because we're trying to get it legalized that so much positive information is coming around it, which I'm totally pro because I think we were the complete opposite years before that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the back when we were kids, you know, the, the egg frying pan, this is your brain on drugs. Yeah. You know, we used the, you know, the marijuana commercial, like the guy goes Scare crazy. The fuck out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Him. So we went from one extreme of, it'll, really it'll kill you. It's the worst thing for you. It's the gateway drug to everything, which was all bullshit to now the opposite extreme, which is, Cannabis can help everything. It's for everything in the body. It's so good for you. It's so and which, and I don't, I don't agree with either one of those camps. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, I believe it, it, it can be useful for a lot of people, and I think it shouldn't be legalized and demonized. But then I also don't think that it's for most people. I think most people don't have the self discipline to even get to the fucking gym and sacrifice eating certain foods that they shouldn't eat because it's not ideal and optimal for their body. Those same fucking people probably shouldn't be getting high. Yeah. Well, look, look. This is now. This is real, right? A huge percentage of Americans, a large percentage of Americans, have tried a a substance, whether it be alcohol, uh, tobacco, or an illegal illicit drug. A very small percentage of them become addicted to anything at all. Yeah. So we need to be. We need to understand that it's not the substance. So much that we need to fear, especially a substance like cannabis, which, yeah, you can become a stoner and become a loser, but it's not going to kill you. Don't fear the substance and don't demonize the substance because that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. People will use it or or not. And sometimes the taboo just makes kids want to use it even more. In fact, I think cannabis is going to be the point where kids are going to be like, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Whereas before it was like, oh, you got a joint, you know, and it makes Mm -hmm. it kind of cool. Focus on the reasons why people become addicted. Like you don't want your kid to have a problem with drugs. Well, you know, give them a good childhood. Teach, yeah. t- raise them to be confident. Under, teach them ways to overcome challenges. Uh, don't let them. Don't raise them in a way where they're afraid of being challenged. Right. You know, don't shelter them too much. Uh, you know, show them love. You know, those types of things. So that because well, here's what's going to happen: your kid goes at some point. Your kid's going to move out of the house or go to college. They're going to be exposed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to raise my kids to be able to deal with. Yeah. Having to make decisions for themselves because you at don't some want to point, avoid the the conversation. That's it. That's yeah. it. You want you definitely want to have that conversation. And you want to educate as much as possible. But yeah, if you got if they have a sense of purpose all the time and they're involved, you know, either in their school extracurricular activities that are you know a healthy thing for them to be involved in, like that's that's where all the yeah. the efforts need to lie. I want to have the relationship where me and my kids were all adults and we all every great once in a while drink together you know i get to take my kid my kids are all in their 20s or whatever we all go out to a bar and enjoy ourselves responsibly or we all smoke a joint together at some point or something like that you know we're we're all 
it's a, it's it's responsible. You know, it's funny they do studies on on countries where their attitudes are different towards alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the Mediterranean countries where wine is you know served at dinner, and they'll always have the little kid, hey, try a little bit or whatever. Binge drinking is much lower in a lot of these countries because it's not. Right. I, I mean, I got really sick the first time I got drunk because I didn't understand or know because I never drank as a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid, not not only did I never drink, my, nobody in my family drinks. You drink it like a big gulp. So I never, right. I never understood. Nobody taught me, you know, what happens. So that's the kind of conversations that I, you know, that I tend to have with my kids. I'll I'll talk about those times of things. Mm-hmm. Look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com. You can check out some of our free guides. We have a lot of guides on there. Some teach you how to squat like a pro. Others teach you how to become a better personal trainer or more successful trainer. There's ones that train your arms, your abs. A lot of guides there. They're all free. Mindpumpfree.com. Go check it out. Also, you can find us on Instagram. We all have individual pages. Mine is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.